Father, may your kingdom come in all saints, Anglican Cathedral, in our lives, in our families, in Long Beach, and beyond. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. This story in our gospel today has nearly every level of drama, sorrow, suspense, disorientation, gradual turning on of the light bulb, then unexpected actions, astonished recognition, and a breaking forth of excitement and action. It is both a wonderful, unique, fascinating story and also a model for a great deal of what being a Christian from that day to this is all about. The slow, sad disappointment at the failure of human hopes, the turning to someone who might or might not help, the discovery that in Scripture there is revelation which might unlock the central mysteries and enable us to find the truth, the sudden realization of Jesus himself present with us, warming our hearts with his truth, showing us himself through the breaking of bread. The Emmaus Road story told only by Luke once again demonstrates his masterful narrative storytelling skills. What appears on the surface to be a simple journey story turns out to have a multi-layered, richly complex plotline. Within the structure of this story, Luke describes the transition of the disciples from disbelief and despair to a more informed understanding of Jesus' identity, a conviction of the heart, a transformed life, a newly reformed community of faith, and a missional calling to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Life is full of transitions. Many of us are in transition at this moment. The very nature of this pandemic puts all of us in transition. All Saints is starting a renovation in the sanctuary, and we are now meeting in the Children's Chapel for worship. And when the quarantine is lifted, we will be worshiping in the parish hall until the renovation is finished. Transitions. Financial and employment transitions. Unexpected health concerns place us in transitions. Physical pain, depression, loneliness, anxiety, working from home, homeschooling, university classes online, and the list goes on and on. All of these are times of transition. Transitions. No times are more filled with possibility and promise. No times are more filled with risk, danger, and despair. And transitions, everything is possible and everything could fall flat and fail. Think about every time we started a new school. Think about the first time we moved out of our parents' home. Think about the second time we moved out of our parents' home. And maybe we shouldn't think about the third time. Transitions, but think about them. When we graduated from high school or college, when we got married, what a year, or two, or 20, or 50. When our first child was born, when our first child got married, the first day that we were officially retired. We have to be realistic. We can't forget that all beginnings are hard. It's hard to be a new baby. It is hard to start a new school, to move to a new home, to be a teenager. 
to be a new husband or wife, to be a new parent, to be a new widow or widower, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Two followers of Jesus were hiking out of Jerusalem on the first Easter morning, and they are not among Jesus' central inner circle. They were just ordinary, everyday, common, and average disciples like you and me. And look what happened. The truth of our text this morning is this, that these two disciples traveling to the village of Emmaus were basically rats that were fleeing a sinking ship. The commotion and uproar and tragedy of that transition week in Jerusalem had deeply traumatized them. Talk about difficult. Jesus had been arrested, convicted, condemned, tortured, crucified, and buried. And adding insult to injury was the disturbing report that they had received from some women in their group, a report that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb. Now this transition left the disciples in post-traumatic shock disorder. It was then they admitted their own faithlessness and doubt and despair. Verses 22 through 24 read, Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. They were neither happy nor confused by this account, nor had they gone to the tomb themselves to find out uh, if it was true, they had simply and sadly gone home. They had enough. Their hope was gone. The disciples remained unconvinced. They can find no way to harmonize Jesus' life and teachings with his horrible death on the cross or with this strange finding of an empty tomb. The woman's report is basically dismissed. And the remaining disciples themselves begin to scatter. Peter goes back to the tomb, just how close the entire fellowship was to breaking apart forever is demonstrated by these two other disciples as they leave Jerusalem to travel to Emmaus. It seems that Jesus' community is on the verge of dissolving. What had the followers of Jesus Christ been doing in Jerusalem all day? The women had gone to the tomb at daybreak, and now it was late evening. It was about seven miles from the city to their village, about a two-hour walk. And they probably hid like the other disciples until it, be it began to get dark, scared of being picked off by the religious leaders. And we've talked about that, that over these last couple weeks. But as darkness began to fall, these two disciples invite a stranger to stay with them a companion who had been offering them surprising comfort on their journey. And their honesty about their confusion and dashed hopes through this journey, their despair had begun to turn to hope. They began to hear a song of God's possibilities and dreams. Things fell into place. It became clear. It was starting to make sense. As they walked and talked with the unrecognized and resurrected Jesus, they received some instruction through rebuke, questions, reminders, and storytelling. 
And as Jesus walked through the scriptures by telling stories, they began a new way of understanding the Bible, a new way of understanding the Messiah, a new way of understanding suffering love, a new way of understanding true salvation. The Emmaus walk is the journey that leads to a new identity. It is hard to be a new anything, and we've already talked about that. Yet, as we go along in life, even new beginnings take on rich finish. In the 1920s, a wannabe poet and writer decided to put down a few stories and verses about his young son, a four-year-old named Christopher Robin. Like all four-year-olds, Christopher Robin cherished a large collection of stuffed animals. And many of us know the rest of the story. But in the final chapter, The House at Pooh Corner, Christopher Robin is preparing for a transition. He's been being sent away to school. It will be an ending, and it will be a whole new beginning. So Christopher Robin understands this, but his stuffed animal friends don't. But as the one who knows and the ones who don't know walk further towards this new future, they find their feet guided by some of the same things found in the Emmaus Road encounter of Jesus and his disciples. When the stuffed animals sense that their much-loved Christopher Robin is going away, they felt compelled to show their appreciation and express express their emotions. So Eeyore wrote a very bad poem, but they all signed it and presented it to him. However, the awkwardness of transitions is difficult, and people quickly sneak away, all except Pooh, that is, needing to figure out for himself what is going on. Christopher Robin takes his bear on a last walk, heading for an enchanted place. They walk the road and chat on the path, It is a moment of pure, authentic, heart-to-heart communication. Christopher Robin and Pooh participate in the reality of this transition while enjoying the comfort of each other's company. They reflect together on what life has brought them. To understand what is going on now requires us to recognize, appreciate, and come to grips with what went before and participate in the challenge of what lies ahead. The time for fellowship, community, friendship, and partnership cannot be underestimated. And yet we find ourselves hunkered down, quarantined, and lonely. It doesn't matter whether we are extroverts or introverts, we were made for fellowship and relationship. Some of us just like it in smaller groups, uh, more intimate gatherings, and others of us like big, large gatherings. But many of us who have grown up in church have found the word fellowship to be an overused and misunderstood word. We treat it lightly. However, fellowship, which comes from the Greek word koinonia, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Often, fellowship ignites unexpectedly, and then it lifts off. And when we experience its presence, we must embrace it and participate in its surprise. This gift from God, community and fellowship in which we participate and we do life together, causes us to share our hopes, 
as well as our dash tubs. Our story this morning is of two people sharing their smashed hopes with another, the unrecognized Jesus. Their hope is expressed in the past tense. They had hope that he was the Messiah. The implication being that such hopes are abandoned now. Hope has gone. Let's go back to the story of Pooh for just a moment. As they walk, Christopher Robin uses this last little boy conversation with Pooh to ask him what he likes doing best in the world. Pooh starts to say, eating honey, but then he remembers how there is a moment just before you begin to eat and which was even better than the honey itself. Pooh is describing, of course, the joy of anticipation, the sweet taste of honey yet to come. Now, the Puritans called it the joy of deferred gratification, though they tended to defer until their deathbeds, but that's another story. The Emmaus Road travelers felt anticipation only after their eyes were open to Jesus' presence at their table. They remembered how their hearts were burning while he spoke to them on the road. The Emmaus disciples and all disciples since recall best those moments just before our eyes and spirits are opened to the truth. Anticipation is another name for hope, and hope is another name for Christians. We are the people first known for our great hopes. To hope means to be ready at any moment for that which is not yet born. After Pooh recalls the anticipation of eating honey, he suddenly remembers something that ranks even higher on his best-in-the-world list. Better even than anticipation of eating honey is the delight that he feels in eating honey with those he loves. Pooh's insight was similar to what the disciples learned during the Amoas Road Road, uh, Seminar, that life's ultimate delights are not delightful unless it's shared with those we love. Disciples of Jesus are people who relate, relate, relate. This is why this quarantine is so flipping difficult. Life's ultimate delights are not delightful unless shared with those we love. A simple loaf of bread broken at a roadside table after a dusty day on the road becomes a miraculous feast when it is shared with the risen Christ. The Emmaus Road disciples were the first to experience the post-resurrection transformation of bread at the table to be the bread of life. Every time any disciple of the risen Lord breaks bread and table fellowship with loved ones, that same miracle occurs. Where two or three are in relationship, community, partnership, fellowship with me, there am I also, Jesus promised. Until we live out of redemptive and reconciling relationships, not merely theorizing about them, our eyes won't be opened. The Bible says that he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Jesus is discovered in acts of relationship and reconciliation. The disciples said, did we not feel our hearts on fire as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 
we too are invited to listen to the exposition of the Bible, to have our hearts burning within us as fresh truth comes out of those old pages and sets us on fire. In this passage, Luke emphasizes what the church all too easily forgets, that the careful study of the Bible is meant to bring together head and heart, understanding and application, listening and responding, hearing and obedience. So too, we are invited to know Jesus in the breaking of bread. We do this in remembrance of Christ and anticipate his return again. But we also do this as a means of experiencing together his grace afresh and anew again together. Though Jesus is no longer physically present, we are to discover him with and in us through this meal and through the word. Scripture and the Eucharist, word and table are joined tightly together here in this text as well as elsewhere in the biblical story, the practice of the early church, throughout church history, and even now in our liturgy of the Holy Eucharist, also called the Mass, which includes both the ministry of the Word and the ministry of Holy Communion. Luke has invited us to accompany him on the journey of faith, faith that will take us through anxiety and sorrow together as a community a people that are in relationship to meet the Jesus who has accomplished his father's work and longs to share it with us. The gift of salvation, purpose, his presence, his kingdom. In the Emmaus Road story, we find the shape of Christian worship. Cleopas and his companion are on the road and Jesus walks with them and proclaims the meaning of his death and resurrection. Next, they are at the table with Jesus. In the breaking of bread, he is known to them. They then rush back to Jerusalem to witness to the disciples in the upper room. He is risen, for we knew him in the breaking of the bread. Worship is based on this most simple yet profound form. And it has been for for the past 2,000 years and done this way because we find it so clearly in the scriptures. We gather to hear the good news, to align ourselves with his ways, to break bread together, and to go and tell others. So worship signifies God's initiative and God's mission to rescue all people. Worship is transformative. It does something for those who do the work of proclaiming and enacting God's work. We learn the truth, we live the truth, and we tell the truth. We go and we tell others as Peter declares in our first reading this morning from Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Truly, this is a walk to remember. Let us pray. Risen Christ, you filled your disciples with boldness and fresh hope. Strengthen us to proclaim your risen life 
and fill us with your peace. Burn in our hearts as we hear your word read and proclaimed and make yourself known in the breaking of bread. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.